in the things of our works, the works of our flesh, we're called to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. And we learn that the cross brings new creation. That's what the death and resurrection of Jesus is all about. It's about God saying, look, I want to do something brand new. I want to take you from being dead and I want to make you alive. I want to take you from being workspace to being grace-based. I want to hit the reset button on your life. God wants to hit the reset button on your life. All those times we've missed the mark, he wants to sweep that past from your life. As Pastor Daniel explains today, that's why the cross is so challenging. Our mistakes cost Jesus, and our gratitude should come in the form of a life lived for him. Whatever we do, though, God doesn't owe us for it. We'll hear about the ways that we can get off track, but also reassured that God's love gives us new life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Jesus is Greater Than Everything. Reputation is what people think you are, but character is who God knows that you are. And most of the things that really bother us is that we feel like now people are going to view us in a way differently than we want them to. You guys realize that that's flesh, right? Flesh is saying, this is important to me because it helps me package myself with my own personal marketing ideas on how I want you to view me. It doesn't really matter what God is doing just as long as I am keeping face. That's flesh, my friends. Flesh is saying it's more important to put a good showing on in the flesh than to follow after Jesus. How many of us right now we're not finding ourselves walking in the way that we ought because we want to make sure we're putting forth a good showing? We're not doing what God is asking us to do because we want people to like us, we want people to be happy with us. I think it was... One of the Greek philosophers says, if you want everyone to be happy with you, say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to create waves. If you're going to be honest about what God is up to, people are going to get upset. When you have to make changes, people get frustrated with you. They get frustrated. But too often what we do is we're so busy wanting everyone to like us, that we forget that we're supposed to follow Jesus. That we're supposed to do the things that God places in front of us. That we're supposed to be unashamed to say, listen, even if you think wrong of me for doing what I'm doing, I'm going to do it anyway. Paul's saying, look, the reason that they want you to be circumcised is they want to be able to say, look, man, I got them circumcised, and they didn't want to suffer the persecution of the cross. You realize that in the early church, the first layers of persecution that the followers, the disciples of Jesus had were from the Jewish people. And by allowing the believers to be circumcised, that alleviates some of the struggle. No, no, they're being circumcised. Listen, don't worry. It's, it's kosher. 
But when Jesus calls us to follow him, we have to be willing to step out no matter the cost. Now, not only that, look at what he says next. He says here in verse 13, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. He said, look, you know these people who want to make you Jewish? They're not keeping the law either. And isn't that almost the whole thrust of Paul's letter to the Galatians? He's like, look, when you have a legalistic view of Christianity, nobody keeps the standards that they try and hold everybody to. That's the whole point of it. And Jesus brought that even out further in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said something like this. You know what you heard? He said you shouldn't murder one of the Ten Commandments. I tell you, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've murdered him already. He says things like, oh, you've heard it say you shall not commit adultery, but if you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already in your heart. See, what Jesus is saying is that it's not about the externals, it's about the internals. And what is happening outside is a window to what is inside. And legalistic Christianity is always about the externals. It's always about, this is how I look. But Paul said, those who want to make you circumcised, they're not keeping the law either. And isn't that why one of the things that our, our culture actually has correct, although it lacks introspection, is that our culture really despises somebody who doesn't walk what they talk, right? Now, what's amazing is I say that it's not introspective because do any of us really walk our talk? Our culture isn't exactly non-hypocritical. But everybody knows that if you're going to put a yoke of law on people, at the very least, you should be living it out. And Paul's saying, they're not living it out. But what they want to do is they want to be able to tell their buddies, oh, I got the churches in Galatia to get circumcised. I mean, I don't know about you. It's a weird thing to boast in. Can you imagine like you're hanging out, you're having a barbecue, and you're like, oh, yeah, I got them all get circumcised. Whoa, yeah, you're, you're a stud. Great ministry. It's kind of weird, right? I would hope so. But realistically, we all know that legalism is really real in our hearts. You know why I believe legalism is so real? Because there's a part of us that really feels that we need to add something to it. That there's, there's this part of our lives that we need to bring something to the table. But really all we bring to the table is the faith of a child that holds out the hands and says, thank you, Lord. That's all we bring. And even, you know, the ability to do that is an act of, that's been given by God. But we just simply just receive and say, Lord, thank you. And we have to be careful because I know when I came to know Jesus, I went from being a kind of a crazy heathen to being a legalist in like six months. Church does a great job of being like, oh, this, you got to be this way and this is really important. If you do that, you're definitely not okay. And and I was grateful for my pastor. He understood grace, and he talked to me about grace. And he said, Daniel, you're being a legalist. You think you're going to help God in saving you? We have to be careful that we don't boast in the flesh. And the flesh isn't the skin. The flesh is the things that we do for God. See, religion is... I do this for God and he accepts me. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is 
God did this for me, and now I'm accepted. It's a huge difference in motivation. How often do we do good things for legalistic reasons? When God is wanting to do a deep heart work in each one of us. So don't boast in the flesh. This reminds me of Galatians 5, 13. The apostle Paul said it just a chapter before. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty only. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I love that. Because what it's saying is that, look, you have the liberty because of Jesus, but don't use it as an opportunity to serve the flesh. Instead, in love, serve one another. It's amazing. For those of you who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, it's amazing how much flesh we can tie up into good Christian jargon. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? Where it's like, you know it all, but it's like, no. Paul says, listen, all that's, it's all flesh. Even though you got all the right words and you got all the, and you say it all the right ways, you got a scripture for it. The really question is, is are you loving somebody and are you serving that person? Through love, serve one another. And that's so different than boasting in the flesh, isn't it? See, God values servanthood because Jesus said that he's the servant of all. So he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When was the last time you woke up and you said, all my five-year plan is to love people more and be the servant of all? So what do you want to be in five years? Oh, man, I want to be in this house. I want my career to advance in these ways. I want to have X number of dollars in the bank. And none of those things are bad. But we should be saying, I want to love more, and I want to serve more, and I'm willing to be humble instead of being proud and boastful. See, the gospel runs so counterculturally, not against American culture, but against every culture. Every culture, there's this more excellent way rooted in love and humility and servanthood as opposed to this other way where it's, I'm doing this, and check me out, and I'm really important because I do this, and, and all of it is contrary to the teachings of Jesus. And what's amazing is, is for you and I, as we follow Jesus together, we start to see all this stuff in our hearts. You guys, I say it all the time, I'm not preaching down on anyone because I'm living this too. If God says, hey, so, so why should I hear your prayer? Well, because I've tithed and because I've done this and I've served and I helped and I did it. No, no. God, you should hear my prayer because I believe in your son who died for me. That's a big difference, isn't it? That's a, that's a universe of difference. One is saying, God, I do these things so that you will accept me. I do these things so that, Lord, you're in my debt. Because I did this, God, now you need to hear my prayer and answer it with a yes and an amen. That's religion. I was a small group leader. I, was a, I worked in kids ministry. I did this thing or that thing. Lord, now you owe me. No, that's, see, that's legalism. As if God's a vending machine and our good works are quarters or dollars going in the vending machine. That's a works-based system. And we boast in those things. You got to ask yourself, what do you boast in in your Christian life? The apostle Paul wants to show us a different thing to rejoice in rather than the works of flesh. Look what he says in verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast 
except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So instead of boasting in the things of our works, the works of our flesh, we're called to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. And we learn that the cross brings new creation. That's what the death and resurrection of Jesus is all about. It's about God saying, look, I want to do something brand new. I want to take you from being dead and I want to make you alive. I want to take you from being workspace to being grace-based. I want to hit the reset button on your life. Be a new creation. Now, what's interesting about this, we read it, but God forbid I boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, you may not realize it, but the idea of the cross in the Roman culture that Paul was living and walking in, that people wouldn't even use the word cross. It was such an absolutely atrocious public form of, of execution that in the proper ways that people talked in Roman culture, they wouldn't even say the word. They would call it a sad tree because it was such a provocative statement. And now Paul's not just talking about it. He's like, look, I make all of my boasts, all of my praise, everything that comes out of my mouth. The thrust of it is to make much of the fact that Jesus died on a cross for me. It wasn't unmentionable. He gloried in it. Why? Because the apostle Paul realized what the cross was all about. Now, in our day and age today, people still struggle with Christianity because of the cross. Why? What does the cross mean? The cross means first that humans have failed. That's what it means. That we are, the Bible calls it sinners. We've missed the mark. That every single person, except for Jesus himself, has done something wrong. So first, it acknowledges that man is a sinner. Second, it acknowledges that there's nothing we can do to receive the forgiveness of God. No amounts of good works, no amounts of penance, no amounts of jail time. None of it will truly cause you to be able to pay back the debt of mistakes that we've made to God. And three, it teaches us that God loves us so much that God knew it and took care of it. That's what the cross is all about, that you fail even more than you realize and that God loves you even more than you can fathom. And that's why the cross is so challenging, isn't it? Because we have to be honest, truly, humbly honest about what our mistakes cost the Lord. Someone's bound to say at this point, especially a contemporary person, they say, that's why I don't like Christianity. It's so negative. It's not negative. It's just plain honest. I could come up here and be like, look, I'm going out for Mr. Universe. Why are you guys laughing? I mean, look, look at this. You know I'm winning, right? If I came to you, they're like, we're going, these guys are like, we're going to the gym. Come on, Fusco, we got to work on. See, look, if I came to you and said, look, I'm going, I'm, I'm going out for the Mr. Universe competition, someone, if you love me, be like, so Fusco, listen, we, we got to start by going to the gym. And we're going to put you on the bench press. And we're going to try and help you get up 45 pounds. <laughs> right? If you get up 45 pounds, if you don't, we'll get to 50 and 55, right? Like, someone has to be honest and say, Fusco, you are not ready for the Mr. Universe. You're not even ready for the Mr. Battleground competition, okay? 
like straight up, right? And that's honest. It's not negative. That's just real life. If I said, look, I, I want to be in the NBA. I want to be a center. You guys are going to be like, Fusco, you are five foot seven. You don't even go up to those guys' waistlines as a center. You could even be a guard. That's just not, that's not negative. That's just honest. That's honest about the reality of the situation. And the cross is honest that you and I make mistakes. But it's not only honest and self-deprecating. At the same time that we are flawed, God's love is greater. Because God would say, look, yes, you got issues, but I love you more than you can ever imagine. So much so that I'm going to come on a rescue mission for you. And when that truth, yes, you're going to glory in that. You're going to glory and say, look, I make a million mistakes, but God loves me still. I fail in a million ways, but God is for me and not against me. And at the cross, God's love and his justice meet together. The truth that my mistakes cost, the, the wages of that is death. But God's love meets and says, look, I don't want you to bear that death. I want to give you new life instead. You see why Paul would say, look, I I boast in the cross. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, listen. You're worse than you realize and God's love is greater than you realize. And God doesn't want you to get stuck on what you're not. God wants to say, look, I want you to step into what I'm recreating you to be. And it doesn't matter what your background is. See, at this point, there's always someone who's like, no, I've been, I've messed up too much. I've left too much carnage behind my life. And I'm here to tell you, listen, God knows everything about you and Jesus still died. And on that cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And he wasn't just faking that it was finished. It's really finished. But notice what he says here. Because he boasts in the cross, he says, first, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, what Paul is saying is that because of the cross, I am dead to living a life in rebellion against God, and that life is dead to me. He's like, I no longer have those desires anymore because God has separated me from that life. And then he says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. That's why I say the cross brings a new creation. He's saying, look, legalism, none of it matters. If you get circumcised or not, doesn't matter. If you worship on this day or that day, doesn't matter. If you wear a suit to church or you wear jeans, if you grow dreadlocks or you have a good haircut, none of it matters. All that matters is what? A new creation. All that matters is that God can take a dead person and make them alive. And if you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus and the spirit of God has taken up residence in your life, guess what? You're a new creation. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Behold, if anyone's in Christ, what? They're a new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things are made what? New. That's the gospel. Now, don't get me wrong. Because you've been made a new creation, you're going to be different. 
You are going to be different because the old things are dead. You're like, man, I can't believe I used to do that stuff. And I can't believe I thought that was okay. But none of those things grab your salvation for you. All of those changes are us simply responding to Jesus because Jesus is like, look, you're brand new. You don't need to do that anymore. I mean, I love the video that we saw where they're like, look, I had to make some hard decisions. Amen. When you become brand new, decisions are in front of you. And those decisions aren't easy. They include your life, real life. But you start simply responding to Jesus, and you're like, oh, yeah. But you never think that because I did that, now I know that I'm right with God. You do those things because you are right with God. And that's been the whole letter, that God wants to make us brand new. Now, what's amazing is when people come to know Jesus and they start experiencing this brand new life, you still have issues with your past. And I've seen it here at Crossroads over the last couple of years. There's been a number of guys who've come in who give their lives to Jesus, but they have history. And it's amazing watching how God will take some of these guys and they'll say, and I've had it, they come and say, Pastor Daniel, I just gave my life to Jesus, but I have history. I got stuff I need to fix. A couple of guys had warrants out and all these things. And like, I just feel like God wants me to go and take care of this so that if God's made me new, I need to square my life away so that I can go forward. And it's amazing watching how God has honored and blessed men for saying, we're going to go take care of our past so that we can go forward in our future. And it's amazing what God has done because God has worked out what were really precarious situations in pretty awesome ways. Because even though we get brand new, we still have the ramifications of our lives. But as we become brand new, we look at those ramifications differently. We start saying, God, this is the scene of the discipleship that you're doing in my life. This is the place where your grace wants to be made manifest. And I think that's our biggest struggle, isn't it? When we're new creations, is to try and figure out what God is doing. I just read this this morning I didn't preach this last night, but I read this this morning, and I thought this was so powerful. Uh, Thomas Merton wrote this about the difference between the old man and the new man. And what, I want to read it because I think for some of us, we're new people, but we're still living like the old person. We still have old person ideas. Now, again, old and new, it's not like an age thing. It's not saying if you're older, you're old. It's not that. It's, it's a disposition of the heart based on the finished work of Jesus. Listen to what he says. He says, for the old man, everything is old. He has seen everything or thinks he has. He has lost hope in anything new. What pleases him is the old he clings to, fearing to lose it, but he is certainly not happy with it. And so he keeps himself old and cannot change. He is not open to any newness. His life is stagnant and futile, and yet there may be much movement, but change that leads to no change. For the new man... Everything is new. Even the old is transfigured in the Holy Spirit and is always new. There is nothing to cling to. There is nothing to be hoped for in what is already past. It is nothing. The new man is he who can find reality where it cannot be seen by the eyes of the flesh, where it is not yet, where it comes into being the moment he sees it and would not be, at least for him, if he did not see it, the new man lives in a world that is always being created and renewed. Jesus is real. What are we 
you boasting about? That's the question Pastor Daniel posed today as he challenged us to consider our hearts. In Galatians, Paul told us to boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ. We want to boast about our works when it's really all about the cross. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will lead us to an understanding of how God can lead us away from our old life and into a new one. It's a struggle to leave our old world behind, but Jesus can make us brand new. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled, Jesus Is Greater Than Everything. Until then, may God bless. My life is no typical.